recording. How are your experiments going? Have it, anybody have some experiment they'd like to speak about or ask about from this last week or two? I have an experiment that I just discovered uh, the last one and a half hours. And it, I think it is an energetical experiment because I've been noticing that also, for example, at last times when I was in the study group here, I tended to speed up into, I think, into some unconscious fear of uh, productivity and and being valuable out of out of what am I producing and and so my experiment was actually to really sink into my body and to feel my body fully while I'm while I'm with you and to to stop doubting that being alive and a human being is already worthy in itself and 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 so I'm I'm forwarding this experiment to here also have you noticed anything so far yeah i well i i experienced that i'm i'm much less in the space of judgments when i'm yeah when i'm like like that or when i'm experimenting and and it helps me because it or it helps me to actually connect to to the whole space and the people and and yeah i i was noticing also in my own experiment i'm in the gremlin transformation chapter 0 that's happening right now that there's some practices that or some noticing like what was happening with you, Marcus, some noticing that leads to some practices that is enough to change uh, our inner structure, like uh, how the energy flows in us, or like how, like our inner world, basically, to redesign our inner world so that we can relate to the world in a different way. And then there's some, and then, yeah, and then there's some, um, like old decisions, some ways that I've made my inner structure that really need emotional healing processes and that can't really be changed or be, you know, redirected just with uh, practices. And for example, the one that you're talking about, Marcus, about um, being productive, it's a big one. I mean, I, I've I met a number of people who have that and it sounds to me that it could be this, it could be a mimetic construct. It sounds like a mimetic construct, but at some point in your life, you, you designed it, you design your, your, your memes so that you would be productive because it was important back then like to be productive as a survival strategy. And so I would invite you to check it out also as a, to do a, um, an EHP of mimetic engineering to, to go back to the source because I think the the practice itself might not be enough to change that such a big core survival strategy. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Well, so I'll, 
take the leap and ask immediately if is there anybody who is willing to hold space for me at least for the first layer of that process yes so I have Julia and Christina great 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 thank you and uh, can I add something mm -hmm. I mean I think Julia and probably Christina you've you've um at least been client I know and probably held space for mimetic engineering processes, but I want to say it for, for everyone is that one of the difference in the mimetic engineering is basically to have a look, is sort of to have a look inwards about how did I build my, how did I build my survival strategy? Like how did I, how does the flow go and how did I build it like that? And to just observe because we're, the this flow of energy it goes so fast like we're so used to it it's so familiar that to look inside for example there could be a habit of well i don't like what i see so i'm trying to change it as i'm looking at it and the purpose is like really in a mimetic engineering process there's a website for it i'll put it uh, on the chat is you can't look at it and change it at the same time it doesn't work so it really has to be this neutral observer of, okay, I there's this happens and then this triggers this and then this triggers this and it triggers and it goes like this. And and probably, Marcus, for you, it would start with, I need to be productive. Or something. Mm -hmm. And then it, it's like, because why? You know, why is that important? And, and you just go back and back and back to this source of basically at a moment in your life, oh, this happened. I made that decision, you know, I made that construct at that moment, but it's, I just want to say it's, you're not really following the emotion. However, they are emotions, you're feeling stuff, but you're not following that you're following. How is it designed inside of you? So it's a different um, version. Yeah. It's a different technology. I'd like to add some spin on this conversation, which is, as Anne-Chloe said, there's this emphasis, this overemphasis or neurotic emphasis on producing, you know, first your homework or producing order in the classroom or whatever. And then you get hired on some job and the job is you're supposed to produce something that somebody higher up in the hierarchy wants you to produce and then you get paid for it and then you can buy stuff that other people produce so this whole focus and if like about valuing production you know the gross national product product means produce so the entire value of of a society is based on how much it can produce regardless of the cost. And so this is huge. It's so hammered in. And so it's, it's really quite a, quite a rule breaking endeavor to, to enter domains where it is okay to not produce, especially in relating. And so that's a huge experiment is to hack out moments in your world and be clear that in that moment, you are not going to produce anything. And so 
what's the 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 monkey wrench that I'm throwing in here is that if you're with somebody and you're intimate and you're you are you have no reason or or like you're not having a conversation that's developing some project or you're not solving a problem or you know you're not whatever singing or you know doing exercise together whatever it is it is you're not producing anything what happens is that you start producing yellow stuff so there's a there's a, a a frequency of radiation or a, a quality of space that when two people are together and and nothing is happening but presence and connection and intimacy and perhaps a few words it's not about sex something else is happening what's happening is there's this quality of this consciousness becoming aware of consciousness, like your consciousness and connecting with their conscious, like consciousness becoming aware of itself puts out yellow stuff. And I, I think yellow stuff is one of the most valuable contributions you can make to the possibility of human existence on planet earth. I think producing yellow stuff affects the morphogenetic field of the human race. Certainly it affects the ethnosphere. So the ethnosphere is the combination of all cultures, the presence of human cultures on earth. It's this cloud around the earth called the ethnosphere. And if, if you're producing yellow stuff, it affects the ethnosphere. I'm sure you've heard of experiments where people come together and do transcendental meditation for example which and they're not they're just meditating together so they're not it's not they don't have the term yellow stuff they they and they're not generally in connection you know not not intimate with each other they're just meditating in a space together and that's enough to decrease the violent crimes in new york city that's a measurable outcome so yellow stuff is more refined than just meditating. So it's really, you know, meditating might create white stuff. But if you're together with another person and being in this space where it looks like you're producing nothing, that's the possibility of causing yellow stuff to, to generate. How many people know what I'm talking about when I say yellow stuff? Just keep your hand up and look around. <laughs> Habet's doing a backhand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Look, isn't that amazing? How many of you ever had a class in producing yellow stuff? Okay. All right. So Your how club. did you? What? Your club. <laughs> okay. Fear club. Ah, fear club. <laughs> cool. Do you guys yeah. talk about it? Do you talk about yellow stuff in fear club? It was more when you did that something about woo woo powder. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, people are going to ask you about that, I'm sure. And it's foo-foo powder, <laughs> by the way. Foo-foo powder. Thank you. Foo-foo powder. Stand correct. <laughs> no, but it isn't. What is foo-foo powder? <laughs> see, 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 you got it. What is foo-foo powder? 
it's going to start a whole conversation. <laughs> you have to talk to Nicole, okay? Will you, you talk to Nicole? She can tell you. Yeah. She can take you there. She can take you to the space and to discover your foo-foo powder. So, so it's amazing to me, and that, and maybe that's why we we gather together once a week and have these conversations. Is because you guys know what yellow stuff is, and the the point is, is like yellow stuff is is, is pretty magical in terms of you can't take. Um, component A and mix it with component B and always get yellow stuff. It's not, it's not an ongoing, you know, it's not a, such a straightforward thing. There needs to be some, there needs to be really nothing. There needs to be presence. There needs to be this not producing something from, uh, from something. You're producing yellow stuff out of nothing. So you need the nothingness and the non-activity to cause yellow stuff to emerge and then to enjoy it, to sit around and enjoy yellow stuff. And so, you know, if you're if probably if you've had kids, if you have kids or or you were a kid, probably one of those two things applies to you, then you may have remembered a time when Either your kids were sitting there or you were sitting there and that some adults came on, came in and, and you and they said, what are you doing? You know, and you were doing nothing, but you had no words for it and you could not defend yourself. You know, they thought you'd gone catatonic or had some kind of a stroke or something because you weren't bouncing off the walls or beating up your brother or sister or something. You weren't watching television or playing some fucking video game. You know, so what were you what are you doing? Is something wrong with you? You know, and in fact, you were exploring being, you know, being nothing, encountering nothing, you know, and and just being in that. And it's so intolerable for 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 modern culture citizens to in, imagine the value of nothing and being together in nothing in connection is is the basis for causing yellow stuff to emerge and it could be it could be the most powerful transformational catalyst for a future for human beings on planet earth because if you discover yellow stuff and if yellow stuff becomes mm, a, a, fa- a component of your life civ- the value of civilization falls off the whole productivity of the of the amazing stuff like even you even forget about your phone. I mean, it's like if you encounter yellow stuff, civilization is becomes irrelevant. It just the, it falls away like some like the Sunday funnies or something like that in a newspaper. It's like it just becomes ridiculous. And yeah, so it's really transformation. So it's, it's transformative to to do that, and yet and it it does seriously impact the morphogenetic feel of the world so so you know one of the basic like the re one of the reasons that i needed to write the radiant joy brilliant love book you know the building love that lasts is because i just i encountered the value of yellow stuff and i tried to talk about it with people and i kept encountering the blocks to yellow stuff this is what's here is what is in the way between you and being able to 
generate yellow stuff. And I, and I, I wrote that down and I kept writing it down, you know, right. You know, child ego state, you know, gremlin, you know, low drama, like all these things, old decisions, like all this stuff. And, and when I wrote it all down, it ends up being this 500 page book. And so there's a lot in the way of old wounds, old decisions, you know, past life experiences, all this stuff is in the way of, of being able to use your consciousness, you know, the becoming conscious of your own consciousness with another person who's conscious of their own consciousness and having the consciousness interact with each other in such a way that yellow stuff emerges and as ecstatic experience and you're not doing anything. It's not ecstatic dance or blah, blah, you know, contact, contact dance, improvisational dances, none of that stuff. You know, all these doing things, it is, it is emerging out of this conscious presence. And so that's why it's so important to face into all this underworld, shadow world, conflicted behavior patterns, you know, the thought where that you inherited from your parents, your memetics construct, like Chloe was talking about your memetics, like all this stuff is in the way of nothing. So, yeah, so your exper- one of your experiments this week is, is, is also to notice your longing for yellow stuff and, and then find what's in the way of it. A lot of it has to do with fear, you know, starting from your parents going, what are you doing, you know, when you're not doing anything and, and work with what's in the way of you being a yellow stuff generator. Well, it took us 82 meetings or something to have this conversation and been waiting 82 meetings before we could get to this, even though it's the point of the whole book, really. But thank you for this conversation. Anything else about that right now? I have a question, Clinton. In the first, one of the first sentences in the book is about count. I, I don't know if I'm saying this word right. Countenance, countenance. Is is that the same thing that you're talking about right now? It's similar. There's, if you and if you can, if you can be in countenance, that's a precursor for yellow stuff. It's like the, it's the requirement you need to and if you if you read the book when we get there when we get to that point there's a a long list of requirements for countenance to occur and during countenance yellow stuff comes thank you thank you Mm -hmm. any i want to say that go ahead Go ahead. I want to say that I love I love the fact that it's that you call it yellow stuff and not some fancy um sophisticated name that makes it so it, it's so obvious that anybody can learn to create that or mm-hmm. creating that. Thank you. <laughs> what I found so healing about yellow stuff I want to add is that 
I have found that in yellow stuff, I experience healing beyond any idea of how healing works or is like, and, and I find that very cool to, yeah, as you say, be in nothing. And this is, this heals. Thank you. It'd be great if a couple more of you spoke. I was blessed yesterday. How do I say? Um, I had the opportunity to sit and have my hands on this gentleman's legs as he's transitioning. And there was a connection between us. Thank you. What, so what, what, what happened? Actually, what we're saying is, could you use other words besides the word great? Okay. Unfold the word great. I was moved inside my heart, my whole being. I was experienced. I want to say love. I experienced total immersion. connection and what did that do to you or how was it for you like what not as a judgment but a description how was it for you as a description um it's bringing tears to my eyes right now thinking of it uh, it was it's hard to have words to describe the experience you use words as a bridge go into the experience and then use the words like a paintbrush the words don't have to fit any pattern just if you paint the words into our being then we can have we can then you're communicating the experience it's called experiential reality the word beauty comes to mind like skip yeah. the mind just forget your mind it's okay. not about coming to mind it's used words and chloe's typing in this website called experiential reality what was it? It's the one we said before yeah uh mm. about it's a you actually paint like when i'll do it right now when this happens then it's so like a Walt Disney cartoon where the paintbrush goes across the screen and a whole scene appears over in somebody else's experience. And you just go, ah, and this, this ahness of, of getting the experience that the, that, that, like that I'm experiencing right now is this bright, it's like, wow, it's this, and it, and, it happens with brush strokes using words as a bridge for the experience to go over. That's the point. You're not aiming for the mind. You're aiming for your five body experience of this thing happening. And when it happens, 
it's success. This is this joyful experience of being successfully sharing this experience. So the other person actually has the experience. This would be another experiment for everybody to be trying is, is skipping intellectual and verbal, like, uh, explanations of something and switch over into using your possibility paintbrush with words to build a bridge of experience, causing an experience to happen over in the other person's body. So once a day, you know, pick somebody and just instead of saying, mm, it's a great apple, you know, when you or or it, uh, it was a great movie or whatever. It was a great sunset last night. Instead, just start painting the the experiential mm, uh, components of what was happening for you in a way that it happens for them. And this will be, this is developing your, your experiential reality with your possibility paintbrush as a bridge. My energetic body experienced oneness. And, and how was that for you? The reason she's saying that is because you just gave us a concept called oneness and a concept called your energetic body. Mm. Both of those concepts still end up in the mind. So it's a whole new, Mm. a whole new way of communicating, of Mm. using words as a bridge for experience, not for understanding. Another hint, Callista, is I think I've heard you use this word before saying I was blessed. Yeah. <laughs> and that's also a kind of a concept instead of, right. of being, how was it really for you? You know, if I was blessed, my cells wake up. My cells start coming in harmony with each other at a, at a new level of, of gratefulness or peacefulness. And, and when my, all my cells line up with this happiness from, from this, ex, this positive, joyful, discovery that I can actually be in resonance with myself. I can see that I can be in resonance with somebody else and it's the same resonance. And then that replaces the word oneness. Mm-hmm. And I, like, I never said that before and I'll probably never say it again before in my life. It is not because I understand oneness it did not come from my understanding of oneness. It came from, an experience of the possibility of oneness and sharing the using the words as a bridge. Cool. So this is great work. It's important to have this whole domain get access to this entire domain of exiting the the verbal reality domain. Uh of giving logical explanations and the names of things and instead, you know, concepts of things and instead speaking poetry, essentially speaking poetry as, as a way of, of some, as a, as a using poetry as this mode, as this support for an experience to go across to another person. You know, I could say, I love you. Okay. And then, okay, that's great. Once. It's great once. Second time, I love you. Like, oh, yeah, you already said that. 
No, but I really, I love you. <laughs> I get it. Okay. What else do you have? You know, is that it? You can only just say, I love you. That's it. I mean, you know, that's not a very long relationship then. It's not that relationships have to be long, but still it gets boring after this, after you're repeating yourself. So, okay. How else can you say, I love you? How can you cause the other person to experience what you're trying to share with them when you want to say, I love you? How else can you cause that to happen over there? in their five bodies how else can you do that and this is the experiential re- experiential domain it's just like using words as a bridge you know people, people sometimes in trainings or sometimes in workshops whatever the exercise is to have a being to being communication and so well, when that begins people run out of words from their mind in about one sentence and then they just start gazing in each other's eyes as if that's but that's not it if if you have to stop talking when love is happening there it's it again it gets really monodimensional it's this is not about eye gazing this is about using words as a poetry to open up new experience or shared experience with the somebody that you're with and it's a skill it's not taught in any you know in school i even went to the tamara love school and they didn't teach that at all and so this is stuff that we need to learn in practice and like i said there's 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 emotional reactivity and huge fears and gremlin stuff that will get in your way if you try and so that's why we face into all this shadow world unconscious stuff is to like move it out of the way. We keep moving it out of the way. And yeah. I think one of the result that comes from this experiment of experiential reality is also when somebody, and it can be your partner, but it could really be anybody starts uh, sh- sharing from their experience like a, an ordinary way to handle that is to package it into, oh, I understand what you say, or this is this. Oh, uh, okay, you you are feeling like this, or you, uh, or you know what I'm talking about? This packaging, this immediately putting a word on somebody's experience, yeah, and 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 that's it's the same it's the same mechanism. It's like the, the mind trying to be okay i understand this person instead of i'm being with this person and and really i've seen people also do that with possibility management distinction somebody shares something and it's like oh you you you're you're having this mixed emotion of blame like (laughs) wait a minute can you be with me you know and, and instead of packaging it into you know, this is this, and then we, and then the conversation is over. The com, then the, the the being with each other is over, and so it, it works. It works both ways. I think um, we get more sensitive than to people trying to share their experience and being oh, okay. It's like that for you. It's like that for you. A couple nights ago, or evenings ago, and Chloe and I were at this cliff over the ocean where some wind was coming in when the when the wind hits the cliff it goes straight up can't go through the cliff it has to go somewhere so it goes straight up and right up here 
was this seagull. And the seagull was just almost motionless for a while, just completely floating up in space, which is, you know, physical objects don't do that. So it's, it looks like magic. And, and so, and Chloe says, I'm paraphrasing. Maybe you should say it. <laughs> okay. I mean, I can, I'll, I'll paraphrase after. Okay. okay. What? I'll try to remember. Yeah. It was, so the seagull was being relating to these winds. Invisible forces of nature. Yeah. And she was, you know, I, I look at the seagull and she... Notice the, the seagull is a she. Okay. I don't know how she, how she knows this, but obviously it was a she. Because it had that much magic. Yeah. <laughs> if it's a he, it's Jonathan Livingston Steagle, yeah. and he's always trying to experiment. <laughs> so she and she had told. Um, so she wasn't being a, a victim of the winds, like being blown here and blown there, and trying to fight against it, and trying to get you know get to one place, and being I'm going to go against the forces. It wasn't like that. She was relating, and at the same time, her inner structure, I mean, and her outer structure in her, this case, was so clear that one little movement, one tiny little movement, would just allow her to go where she wanted in relation to the wind. This invisible force, force of, of nature. nature. Yeah. And so, and then you made this leap. Because, you know, we can see a seagull and, of course, the seagull is flying, you know, and that's okay. Everybody understands. Oh, yeah, it's the Bernoulli principle. You know, it has a wing shaped wing, whatever. And that's how it flies. But no, there's it's because of the shape of the seagull that it can fly in the wind. If the seagulls had a different shape, you know, different birds have different shapes, so they all fly differently. The seagull has a specific shape that it it flies in the seagull way, and and we were experiencing this seagull flying of just this is flying. It's like you don't have to go like that. It was, this is flying, and the way that it can do that is because of its shape. And, and you said it's the shape of your being. This is why we build matrix. This is why we get rid of baggage. There's this incredible website called Baggage. You really need to live in that website for a while because it has it identifies so with so much clarity the kinds of baggage to get rid of to change the shape of your being. I mean, just one example: if you're if you're sitting here in your space, like everything that you have has you. So that's a it's a quote from a movie. Anybody know what movie that's from? It's a movie quote. What you own owns you. It was a test. <sighs> Clearly, not enough of you have seen Fight Club. It's time to watch Fight Club again. So it's baggage without an S. Oh, thank you. God, gonna get there. Yeah. Uh, so if you have in your, you know, if you're, if you're, and you have something like this in your, in your space, you know, it's one of these, you know, 
That looks it's cool. cool. <laughs> looks like the United States of America built out of sparkling Glitter. like like <laughs> stars or something. No, it's a, it's a scrub, you know, it's greasy pot scrubber thing. You know, if you have one of these in your space, okay, is this giving you energy or is it taking energy away from you? And if it's taking energy away from you, it's baggage. If it costs you more than it gives you, it's baggage. And it's so this is a physical object. So even in the physical domain, you have baggage in your closets, in your attic, in your garage, in your car, in your desk drawers, in your computer files. I mean, one way to get rid of garbage in your computer <laughs> files is have your computer die on you like mine did this year. It just went. <laughs> that was it. The main memory board just fried and was completely inaccessible. Anyway, then it helps you get rid of garbage. <clears throat> so this experience of getting rid of garbage is like that. It is a, it is a Phoenix process. It's a, it's a death experience. It's like, it's like, who am I without that thing? Who, who can I be myself? Can I, can I live without that thing? So you look around the spaces that you're in your office, your home, your bathroom. Is there anything in there that, that you don't need to live and then get rid of it? You know, that's the thing about garbage is get, you know, offload your baggage, but it changes who you are. So anyway, this baggage website is super for having, I don't know, there's 50 experiments on there of what kind of baggage you could have besides just physical objects in your house. So please start working on that. It's a fantastic because all this stuff you own owns you and changes the shape of your being and a seagull you know, with one of these attached, even just one of these, you probably have more than one, but a seagull with one of these attached will not fly so well. This is wind resistance. This changes the interface between your five bodies and the forces of nature. You know, so the stuff that's blowing on us ongoingly is bright principles. It is your archetypal lineage is blowing on you. And it's nothingness is blowing on you. And the Earth Coincidence Control Office is blowing on you. And there are these huge forces of nature blowing on you that if you have the right shape, the proper shape, you can use those forces to fly effortlessly. It looks almost effortlessly. For a female seagull, it's effortless. For a male seagull, you know, we have to think about it sometimes and figure it out. But anyway, so... Is, is you, you, that's how you can fly. That is how to fly. And it is, it has, that's why all this stuff about, of uh, the, we're concerned about the shape of your being, of what you have conglomerated together and what you're hanging on to and old decisions and old past life vows and commitments. And the, I have to have it this way and it can't be this way, box stuff. You know, and unconscious gremlin behaviors like for revenge and holding on lifetime after lifetime to revenge and all these things shape your being. And it's the shape of your being that allows you to fly. And, and we're designed to fly. Human beings are designed to fly as when we're at our, our you know, at a free and natural adult ego state when we're and that's what all this, the healing and emotional healing and 
initiatory processes are about is to reshape your being into this amazing, you know, miraculous, efficient, um, per- like perfect design for flying in using forces of nature, which are there to hold you up. You know, they're, they're there to hold you up and just take you wherever you want to go without having to go, <laughs> you know, I'm, you know, most of us have lived our lives going like this, you know, trying to be successful or, you know, have a working relationship or have enough money to live or be cool or, you know, whatever the bucket list is of things that, you know, it's really a lot of effort and we're, we're, we're designed to, to interface with a powerful, using Janet's word, magical world you know it's magical because it's just not visible like the wind that was holding up the seagull is not visible it's there was no leaves flying by or dust or whatever it's just but it's there and you and so we're designed for this there's a something i discovered recently is coming from actually some kind of, let me see, reaction to possibility management or to the context of healing and transformation where people go into burnouts of healing and transformation or go into, um, it's like, it's too much or why should I do all this? Or God, I have a mountain of emotional healing processes and I, one thing that I discovered is this projecting the value of, for example, productivity or knowing or doing onto the path of transformation. And if you project that, then the, it's you're looking for the thing of, okay, when I would have done this and this and this, then I would have, then I can take a break. And I can go on vacation or I can, then I'll be adult or then I will be rewarded. You know, then I can, maybe if I do enough of this, I can retire. You know, this is the, this is the modern culture, um, thought where it's like really this, if I can prove to some kind of external authority figure that I've done enough, then I'll get more money or I can take a break or I can go on vacation or I can retire. And or I can graduate, I can get a certificate. And and I, I think one of the insanity that probably is a cause of burnout and, and transformation or or healing is that projecting this thought where this modern culture thought where onto the path of evolution is that thought where has no value in evolution. It's not a currency that works in our hierarchy. And so it always feels like it's never enough. I've not ever done enough because it's, it's, I mean, the image I have, it's like you, it's pedaling on a bike that is, the wheels are not on the ground. So pedaling, pedaling, pedaling. It's like a trying to get somewhere in our hierarchy and, and, but it's the same place because the thoughtware used is the, is the thoughtware from modern culture. And it's the, it's to notice that something else is valuable. It's like to change 
is what Clinton was talking about in the in the in the beginning about the yellow stuff is really a change of value system. Like what is what is important? Like what's at the center? What it, what is at the center of your life? Like what is the what do you want to create? What do you, I just want to say one thing, Marcus, and then yeah, and so and I, I want to give this other experiment, and this is uh, about this about creation and how to notice what you create, and this is especially um, probably useful for people who have the survival strategy of being extremely adaptive, or or, or only noticing their value through external uh, feedback, like external ap approval or permission or positive feedback or negative feedback. And it's to notice that means it's sort of, it means like you are missing what I would call a core sense of yourself from yourself, a core self-reference of yourself from yourself. Like not from external authority, you know, external authority, but in this core self, you know, reference, I would call it re reference of self is also, you know, it goes through your own bullshit detector because you can also live in a fantasy world about what you're creating or who you are or, and it's not about that. It's really this experiential reality of what am I creating, you know, both from my underworld and from my upper world. And so the the experiment one experiment is instead of asking for feedback you know from other people like how am i doing uh who what am i creating with you what uh, please give me feedback is because then the light is it's like the spotlight starts out there and is look and you're looking at yourself the spotlight is over there and then it's turned towards yourself and the experiment is put the spotlight inside of you and you look out. So it's not about you, but it's from you. It's this shift of perspective. It's not about me, but there's things that come from me. What what are those things that come from me? And then when you so when you look out and and one of the experiment is kind of it can be this kind of uh on, you know ongoing when you remember it, is what am I creating now? And to do it in the way that it's the most, like, there's this uh, great uh, book, and also we made a website about it called Radical Honesty. So without concept, like without the mind, trying to package it into concept, but it's could be, okay, right now I'm creating, you know, I'm imagining, I'm, I'm not talking about right now, let's say, but let's, Let's do it right now. Okay. So right now I'm creating, uh, I, I'm painting the picture, I'm painting a territory, the picture of a territory where, uh, especially people who have a lack of a self-reference can find a way through their identity of only knowing themselves through the eyes of others. But also what I'm creating is a, a possibility for me to be heard. It's like I'm creating a space where you are listening. So there's also a listening space and a possibility for me to be heard.
and I'm also creating really this uh, being to being connection with describing my my inner world and my inner experience through experiential reality so that you can be with me. Something like that. And and you can say it out loud. I would invite you to when you're with people, just say it out loud. I'm creating this or I'm and I'm creating that. And and you can all also notice when you know, say it when you're also creating underworld. It's like, God, I'm creating war right now. I'm I'm creating competition with you because there's a way that I want to be better than you. And and that's it. Like you don't have to do anything about it, but that you start building this reference of a reference of who of yourself through yourself, through what you're creating, not through the eyes of others. Um, Marcus, and because. I mean, and this is also really a personal, you know, it's um, it's an experiment that I'm doing is everybody has their own value system. You know, and if you're looking at yourself through the eyes of others, you're looking at yourself through their value system, what is important to them. And you can hear it in terms of what people tell you. You can start hearing their value system. You know, what do they notice first? What do they what is at the center of their conversation? What, um, how do they phrase their connection with you? It's, it's a, it's revealing of their value system. Okay. But that's their value system. It's not yours. And this experiment of this reference, creating this references, you'll start discovering your value system and then you can, you can whatever, change it. You can modify it. If that, if it doesn't, it's like, doesn't work for you or something like that. And so um, I just want to say one more thing is this whole idea of like productivity or knowing or doing they're not I mean this is my guess it's like they're not your value system. For most of us, we haven't consciously chose those as value system. We were just hammered into them. And they, so it's that it's the spotlight is from outside. Like the value system is outside and it's looking at us being, am I being productive enough? Am I knowing enough? Am I doing enough? It's like the value system is outside and it is to bring the value system inside and looking out and being, okay, am I creating the, the values that are at the center of my life. Cool. Okay. Marcus. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm very glad about what you just added with the values because I, I felt a fear when I heard you say the word value first and and to me it came up this question of well how do I notice what I am actually valuing and 
because just recently I've, I have made that experience that it, I thought I am nourishing myself in a, in a complete way. And then when I actually nourished myself in a, on a deeper level, I found out that I wasn't. And, and so that my whole valuing on how do I nourish myself and how do I, what do I then create out of that was still, Marcus, I'd say trap. Would you just give some examples so that we, we get how you were feeding yourself? Okay. Mm. I mean, so given an example, because uh, Clinton, you just mentioned that uh, ecstatic dance or contact improvisation is not yellow stuff. And so, for example, I, I was running with that value system kind of kind of like that through the world that I'm actually, I have to look for something that is feeding me better and more authentic. And having been for two weeks in a contact improvisation space, I have had an experience that it actually, there is ways that I can choose an experience that value me very, very much because I, I get to improvise in a way that I want to improvise. And, and so that as an example in myself changed what I, what I experience as myself, as you say, as this is actually my core sense in, in myself. Like this is, uh, this is, this is where I start in a way. And 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 so what I'm voting for or what I want to vote for is to to become curious about how how do you actually really, really nourish yourself and, and to not fool yourself either. And and from that to build like slowly build up a new this new valuing system that is, as you say, coming from the inside and not from the outside. It, it's, it's straightforward to notice what you value because it it's according it's what you choose and people oftentimes go well i don't really like my job but i go to my job because i need enough money to live or something like that <clears throat> and the mechanics of what you're choosing causes what you have what your life is about so it's straightforward to to discover what you what your value system is because what you have is what you want and if and if what you have is doing a job you don't like for money to buy stuff you don't need etc which is another movie quote from the same movie i mentioned before then what you want is to live a life that you hate, you know, to, to manipulate yourself, to uh, be, in, be in plotting revenge. You know, that's, that's what you want, that's your value system. You, the thing you value most is revenge. And okay, okay, that's hard to look at most of the time. But that's what this is about, is looking in the places you don't want to look at to discover what's really going on. And so what's really going on is your life is about revenge. Your life is about torturing yourself. Your life is about gremlin self-cannibalism or gremlin violence. And, and you go, okay, 
nobody ever told me this before, but my mother's doing this, my father's doing this, my teachers at school are doing this, my boss is doing this, my friends are doing this. And then you become aware of an option to choose from that they don't have, and you choose it because you're trying a new value. Then you don't have friends anymore because you're functioning in a world of a diff- that, that has a different set of windows or values things that other people don't even notice or perceive if they don't. And so how do you live in a world where you're functioning according to values that, you know, when you look out your window and you see the street lined with cars, it's a horrifying experience to you. You know, that, that a, a village is designed around cars that are sitting there parked empty and burning fossil fuels and that is what's valued in your village and it's horrifying it's insane it's there's no human beings there there's production consumption that's what's there so to to discover your own values discover that you're like and chloe said you're using a zombie value system You, you know, you're just using values that you weren't even aware of. That's the definition of a zombie, serving values that you're not aware of. Playing in a game world, serving the values of a game world that you're not aware of. This is the definition of a zombie. And so here you are discovering by noticing your own values that you're using zombie values, dead values, walking dead values. Okay, well, this is this is shocking news. Don't you think it would be worth noticing, though? You know, so it's a huge, uh, let me say, hero's journey to introspect. You know, to observe, to observe yourself, to notice and self-observe, to the point of going, well, hey, maybe this value system that I've been using is not actually the value system that's mine. I'm I'm being so adaptive so chameleon like to blend in with the value system whichever value system is around me i blend into it i wear the clothes from that value system i talk in that value system i walk in that value system you know i eat at the value system restaurants whatever the thing is so it's i think it's this a really powerful approach to coming back to yourself i don't i don't know if you guys have seen it yet but i've been working on this website called being yourself and uh, i think it's just get ready for a ride because <laughs> it's, it's a there's some significant distinctions in there that we were not ex- exploring before so i hope you check that out you know, and if you're not being yourself, how are you going to be with somebody else? How can somebody be with you if you're not being yourself? And it, it's so logical to understand. Okay, well, yeah, I get that. Okay, now I'm going to be myself. Well, are you? Marcus is saying, well, which values are you are are you using? Are those your values? Ingrid? I want to look bad here. I'm liquid, totally liquid today. Yesterday, I got a probable diagnosis. I don't know yet. And 
And the consequence was that I spoke with my husband about flying to Germany to a feeling practitioner. And he didn't want that I do so. And he asked me that question. What is more important, to be with me or to go there? And I said, what is important to me is to go there. And um, he broke up with me. And, um, yeah, so I become aware in the moment, I don't know yet what I'm valuing, about valuing, is I was so adaptive that I, I, yesterday I was honest, and the honesty, he, he was uh, disappointed because before, I pretended to be somebody else. So I valued pretending. I valued adaptiveness. I valued being not me. I valued maybe security on on other stuff. And uh, I'm sad Because there is love, I feel love. Because I'm sad because I'm disappointed that he is can't accept my honesty as a value. And uh, yeah, I'm. What I do as an exercise the whole day and since yesterday night is just looking for the next step. Being in so such a small small here now, Gremlin at the side, no chance for Gremlin, and just holding space for him and me, for me, but also for two spaces for myself and for him and me, and just looking for the next step, not letting go my thoughts wherever they want to go. Yeah, feel what is there and just doing the next step. I don't know what that will, where it will guide me. I don't know. Thank you. Ingrid. Thank you, Ingrid. Thank you, Ingrid. Thank you. I I just want to say, Ingrid, if, if you need anything about, you know, in this small now, next step, 
uh, yeah, please reach out. I'm available and uh, I, I pick other people too, but yeah. I also yeah. know that if, if you're headed for the feelings practitioner work, even when there's not a feelings practitioner lab happening, that Michaela Kaiser, who is one of the feelings practitioner, lives at this incredibly beautiful and and healing center called Möglichkeitenraum, and there's a place to stay there mm -hmm. just ongoingly, and she's there. Yeah. Nicole, you're. I wanted Wait. to do the feeling practitioner in beginning of March, and there's directly. Uh, a second one a week later. I want to do both. Wow. Great. Nicole, you were going to say something? Nicole Wagner? Oh, I was raising my hand to let Ingrid know that I was also available to hold oh, okay. space for anything. Thank you. I will. Uh, I want to ask for a team to support me. I have the final diagnosis probably on the 28th of January. Who knows if it's final, but <laughs> <laughs> for the moment that I made. Janet Redmond had her hand up also. And, so. and Eva. And Eva Daubert. I am in your team, Ingrid, also. I'm on your team, Ingrid. I feel joy. Thank you. I wrote down the names. Yeah, it helps Hab to write the names down. And Habet. And Habet. And Kalisa. Yeah. And Nicole Hartley Bradford. Whoa. And Kian and Sonia Gonzalez. And Julia. Julia. Yeah. Okay. Do you have Sonia? You in got a Mexican wave, Ingrid. <laughs> You've got a Mexican wave team. Yeah. yeah. Can you lift your hands again and I make a picture? It's a yeah. way. Thank you. I want to share an experiment that I've been doing with uh, promises, all all kinds of promises, <clears throat> uh, and. I discovered that I was weakening my voice, my speaking by not, by leaving several promises unfulfilled and, and standing midair. And it could be anything. It could be an unanswered message, uh, something I committed to do and I didn't do and I didn't say I wouldn't do it. Uh, a lot of things and I started going through them and answering people and either saying yes I'm I'm going to do that do this not now or I'm not available to do this and I I don't want to commit to this and at the same time I started doing another experiment of following every impulses that I had and without questioning. And this was a tough one for me. And one of the things that happened while following this impulse, one of these impulses was that 
I am at the end of February, I'll, I've, I'll become a nomad. And I followed the impulse to call a friend of mine with whom I had made a bet 15 years ago. And I won that bet. And so I, I had this fear of talking to him about that because there was money involved. And the thing was that while I was speaking with him and sharing my projects and what I wanted to do, he said, well, I have this, this place where you can stay if you want to in exchange of taking care of the, of the apartment and doing some stuff. And so something happened that wasn't even in my radar. And with these two experiments together, I am having this sense of strengthening inside. Like I'm, it's not like, I'm building mass, inner structure. And by doing this, I started experience this warmth sensation when I'm with people. And I started enjoying holding space and feeling very nourished by, by it. And, and while we were sharing like Marcus and, and Chloe and Clinton, and it was, you were all speaking about my experiencing and there's this warmth and I, I'm experiencing being carried and all of the sudden I, I see a lot of strength inside. I, I, I am seeing a mountain inside of me when I'm holding space and I'm not doing any effort. I am just there and I'm feeling warmth just right now by being here with you this cozy sensation and it's really good <laughs> thank you thank you Sonia, are you still holding space for the completing incomplete emotion on wednesdays Yes, that's one of the promises I'm keeping. Okay. Would you just say yeah. it again in this group? Yes, every Wednesday from 6.30 p.m. to 8 p.m. Portugal time, Western Europe time, I'm holding space for a complete and complete emotion space. And it's really amazing because you can go through a particular moments and take your energy back from that moment. And there's space that opens up. So come and let's do this as a team. This is one of the ways to, Clinton was talking about baggage. This is really a powerful, clean, simple way to, um, Take, take off baggage, mostly emotional baggage, but also old decisions and energetic baggage. And it's, yeah, just you do, I don't know how many you do, but probably three or, or four in one session is really sort of as much as our system can take in terms of letting go of baggage. But every week you do that for a year and then it's God, just um, a lot of baggage has been taken off. And you just start flying because you take yourself lightly. 
Sonia, I wanted you to know that as you were talking and, and describing how it is for you when you're holding space, that I could really connect to that mountain and coziness and warmth um, that you were that you're experiencing. And I was really touched. You guys are describe, describing experience of the free and natural adult ego state. This is, and this is, this is the value of adulthood. This is, this is the work of going through all whatever it takes to become adult, to go through the initiations, the healings, blah, all this stuff you're describing and so I really hope you keep sharing with a lot of people publicly in talks or workshops and trainings, like just keep inviting people to whatever, do the work because there's a, a long rainbow. It's almost like there's a doorway. There's a, there's this whole childhood adolescence stuff that we all have to go through. And if you survive that, you end up, in a cocoon trapped in a survival strategy and and then the initiatory processes let that thing start to crumble you get to start coming out of it and if you start you know getting out of it you know you have to really work to get out of it it takes a while to get out of it and when you finally get out of it the thing falls away and then all of a sudden you're in the world as as yourself and this so a whole new universe opens up and this is what we're designed for and and that's how you help people and it's how we help each other we help each other do that work of 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 creating a being you know building up the matrix like all the everything you described exactly it's like that's how we're helping each other be, come to this and if you walk through the town, if you if you just look through the people that you meet in your day, how many of them have are are intentionally you know moving towards that effectively? And it's about zero. And so you've got eight billion clients out there for facilitating that evolutionary shift work. So you're discovering that it's ecstatic to deliver the work as painful as it is because you're, you're confronting ignorance and repression and suppression and everything you're, you're, you're facing into the dark side, but the, every success is really a success. Every step somebody makes is, is really a step in that direction. And so it's, I just feel really glad so that, that, that you guys are able to use experiential reality to paint out what it's like being a free and natural adult. And, and that's just the beginning. It is not the end. You know, most people, most movies end at the, at the beginning of a possibility of that. And they don't go further because people don't know how to go further than that in general. And so you're telling the next kind of story. You're, you're creating the next kind of film. You're opening up the next kind of world. And it's huge. It's huge. And it's it's a non-material world. What you guys just described was a treasure, a wealth beyond imagination in a non-material world. And it's so different from ordinary, you know, standard human intelligence thoughtware that's, that's a mimetic virus that's conquered the world and 
and yeah, so I just I'm saying this so that you just put radical reliance on your experience. Radically rely on that experience you just named. It is not a temporary high. You know, it's not, you know, you will get used to it more. You will get used to it. So it's not so startling, but it doesn't, but that's not a temporary rush. You know, it's not a, it's not, it's not like that. It's a real, it's the whole universe. There's this whole world out there and you can inhabit and build out next culture, non-material infrastructure for you and everybody to inhabit that. And so just keep building out the infrastructure, build out ways and places and vocabulary and thoughtware and just build it out. That's what we're doing is building that out and inhabiting it. So when you walk into a place where people kind of don't inhabit what you just described, then you just cavitate new space. You know, you know, I cavitate new space in which the free and natural adult thrives. And you step in that space, zip it up the back, and then you've got this space and you can walk anywhere in that space. You don't have to leave. You do not have to be adaptive. You don't have to leave the free and natural adult ego state ever. So like Sonia, this experiment you're saying is essentially conform to nothing and adapt to nothing and withhold nothing withhold nothing conform to you know adapt to nothing this this experiment this is a free and natural adult thank you i have one report from the mess um, laura and i have been doing the the resentment process and taking back the expectations and i've like I just did two and I feel like there's still some more, but the, just looking really at those two expectations that I've built. And I feel like they, they're, they're not just in, in, in this relating, they are basically in my life. They're in, they're like a block I've put in front of everyone's being in my life, basically. Can you to say, not, what they, not, can you say what, what they are again? I'm really ashamed about it but one was to have like I expected Laura to have sex with me even if she didn't fully want to and it's really like putting like seeing how deeply ingrained the patriarchy still lives in me and it's so yeah I And yeah, I, I'm in this mess basically by seeing how how what I thought I I am, what a good person I am, and what I actually create, and that's really painful. Like I feel I'm just like I I just need to learn how to relate actually with like I'm I'm listening to you and it's like who who are you? I don't like what the the values from which I was listening before do not do not work anymore. Like this, yeah. Thank you. Well, Thank you. Was there what was the other um, expectation? <clears throat> to 
uh, I expected to want me from the beginning, like to have a yes for me from the beginning. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Laura, how are you doing with this? Can you say something? Yeah, um, he, hearing his first expectation, when I heard it, it really stirred up in me that I also have, um, I have not done the resentment process for this, but I also have an expectation that that's what he would do, that he would come in and and, and, and do what he wants. Um, I, so I noticed that I also I have that that expectation, and I want to do the resentment process with him and take and yeah work towards taking that expectation back. Laura, just maybe for clarity, is I think what you're talking about of this thinking that yeah, Kian will or or men will do whatever they want anyway. It, was that something like that? That's already the resentment. Like, oh, that's, uh, let me say, it's, it's not really an, you know, it's not like, it's not something that you would want as an expectation. Do you know what I'm talking about? It's something that you have learned to live with. You've made normal for yourself. And so that's that's the resentment part. But what was, if you go back to the expectation, let me see. Let's try it like this. If you go back to the expectation what was, that was broken, what is the expectation that was broken by men doing whatever they want? I expect that that they would take take care of me, respect me. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I it's it's a big doorway. Yeah. Laura, the. The thing is, if you're holding the expectation that somebody will respect you or take care of you, like you say it, then then you're not making it that it is so. It's like you're giving away your power to the expectation. It's like, oh, it will. It's like a fantasy world. It's like a naivety. It's like, oh, yeah, it, I expect it. So it will. They will do it. They will take care of me or respect me instead of bringing back the power towards you of, you know, making boundaries, saying what you want, saying what you don't want, negotiating, like all this stuff that comes back by taking back the power. So, and that would be the purpose of uh, taking back the expectation. It's not that you, you're not going to make it that people respect you or, or, or take care of you. I don't know how to say it. 
it's not you you're not abandoning yourself to the wills and whims of men you're just taking back the power away from the expectation into back into yourself which is about negotiating and but negotiating with your sword at the neck sword out at the neck it's not negotiating closer than that mm -hmm. and if the sword is out at the neck and that's where you negotiate the sword never goes away you keep it out the whole time if you ever put that sword away you become a toy you know to be abused what you guys are describing Kian and laura is what you're describing is the beginning of archiarchy sex archiarchal sex like it's a, a completely different world from patriarchal sex and so there's not many people who are using that language yet or who are aware of the how significant the difference is from kian having your expectation that she'll do whatever you want and Laura, you having your expectation based on a survival strategy of being adaptive that to, to survive, I have to let him do whatever he wants. And this is, this is patriarchal sex. And the basis of archiarchal sex is hello. That's, that's where, that's the basis of archiarchal sex. It's, without expectations, without conclusions, without its proposals and negotiations. Always. It's ongoingly like that. And it's a completely different world. My own my own experience also. Because I, I used to be in patriarchal sex myself. And it was and it was such a shock to and shameful and sad and angry and the, nobody else told me anything different not even my men's groups you know men's groups are so far away from that really it's disgusting and and yet that's the basis of archiarchal sex is hello and and then without possession assumption expectation ownership like role-playing none of that stuff and I think it's a whole new world for all of us to keep ex to explore and expand and also share the discoveries, share the uh, share the results, the, the stuff that comes out of it. I mean, it's it's really key in what you said about the mess, being in the mess. It's to have to realize that an entire culture of western civilization has taught men and women to play out that mess and that's all they have to offer you that's what, that's what western culture has to, that's it that's the best they have to offer so so you're cracked through the side of of that presentation of of what sex is about for example and you're and you're out here in this other domain and it, it also still needs to be, it needs to be built out. And as simple as it seems to start from hello 
and have no expectations or assumptions or conclusions, etc. Is as simple as that sounds, it will destroy your life. It will destroy your the life that you inherited from modern culture, Western civilization, the patriarchal sex. It will destroy down to the core, down to your cells, down to your nerves, down to your innermost self-concept and thoughtware. It will destroy, it destroys all that. So just let it get destroyed. Really, just let it be destroyed. Because there's something, there's something that remains. And you know, in the in the Phoenix process, whatever does not burn is real. And so let everything burn. Because why would you want to have something that's not real? So just let it keep burning. Just keep breathing and let it burn. And then, and then don't have any expectation about when or what or will come out of, out of the Phoenix process. You can't have expectations about that. You have to go into it and just keep lighting shit on fire. Just throw it in the fire. Add gasoline, throw it in, burn it. You know, and that fire can go on for a year, a couple of years. Let it burn. It's the, it's the right kind of mess to be in. It's a lovely mess. But it's, it's pretty intense. But you have a team. Thank you. Thank you. I wanted to let you know, um, I may drop off early today and if I disappear, I wanted you to know, yeah, I, I, I may have to leave early. I didn't want you to wonder. So. Thank you, Nicole. And I, and I wanted to say that I, I say that out of so much love for this space. Would love to share an experience following on from Kieran and Sarah. Hello. Um, I've been with my husband to the intimacy journey last year with Anna Mumbir here in New Zealand. And um, since then, we, we are in the fire of burning a lot and have removed resentment, doing our own work separately and together. And we have times where we 
I guess, integrate or there's no time to go to sleep anymore because it's a bit like when you have seen something, you can't make it unseen. And it is, it's so alive in us. And I feel, yeah, I feel so moved and joy and sadness as well that, that this is possible after 25 years of marriage, having an armor around me that is, 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 is like a, I can't even explain it. And what, what is alive and what has come alive between us and what is possible. And I know we have to go a long way or we will go a long way, but there's, there's not only fire or the fire warms as well as it burns things. So yeah, I, I can only say go, it's worth it. Even though it's painful. Ellen, is there any chance you could share a specific about one, whatever's happening right now, whatever edge you're on? Um, my personal edge is that I, I can say, I can welcome Bruce. I can take him in his arm, hug him. I can touch him. I can. Um, I I just enjoy being around him. I can look at him and welcome thoughts of love or warmth and, and gosh, I love what you've just done and yes, I'm I'm enjoying how you how our conversations are alive now. And there's moments where we don't get there where logistics take over, but we actually can acknowledge that. And okay, we need a big space for acknowledge for for logistics or for life stuff now. But it's it's so much more presence and so much more, um, yeah, just connection, connection in 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 so many different ways. And for many years, I have lived. My resentments have created so much distance and constant fight energy, which was so exhausting. There was nothing else available. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for sharing, Kian and Laura. Dimitra? Um, uh, the hand, it's made it by accident. I don't know how to take it back. And though I, I want to say that... Um, yeah, um, what Ellen just said um, about this... Uh, um, yeah, being in the, this, like, it, it's so, it's so nice that, like, how it landed to me when you said that you see him and you have this thought about the love and about making 
like a new space, something new happened. Thank you. Thank you for this hearing. And also, yeah, Kian and Laura, thank you also for your sharing. I want to sh share an experiment um, also about sort of logistics. I mean, Clinton and I were away five days on a road trip around the North Island and it was, it's a, it was a new country. We were, had not planned anything. So there was all this um, decisions that needed to be made like moment to moment to moment uh, about anything about, about food, about where we stop, about, who needs to pee about you know which walk are we going to do are we going to keep doing the walk or go back or really this moment to moment decision and i notice in me this rush of being when i there's a decision it's like god i need to decide i need to decide or i need to be responsible and i discovered really doing these five days of okay, I need to decide, but I don't need to decide now. Like not, not immediately. And I, I noticed being able to breathe and being, and being in this connection with Clinton and letting the decision emerge of our, our relating. And, and instead of like, I could feel my mind going into these reasons of, uh, Oh, it would make more sense like this, or then we'll have more time for that, or then we can squeeze this, whatever the, you know, or all these reasons. And, and, and I discovered often that if we sort of like be with each other for long, long enough, and it can be really three seconds, the decision that would match our relating would just be obvious. It would sort of emerge clearly. And so for me, it was an extra experiment because I've been doing this experiment of saying what I want. And that's been the main experiment really with Clinton for the past four years or five years now is for, for me to really learn as a, as a woman to just keep saying what I want ongoingly say, I want this, I want this, I want this. And now I realize, okay, well, I want, I want something else than saying what I want just, or not just that. Um, and I, and even um, I, I wanted to offer that for Ellen. Like even in the logistics, it can be logistics can be delightful. Like logistics can be extraordinary, and um, in the in the relating. Thank you. You know, what you're talking about is radical relating, which is essentially putting everything on the table. You're not trying to protect yourself or the other person from anything, from considerations or from fears or from old old decisions based on abuse or mistakes or, you know, remembered pain or whatever. But like putting it on the table as factors involved in the decision and there's a if you read the books from martin prechtel called uh uh secrets of the talking jaguar and long life honey in the heart 
which are highly recommended from the book list. You'll, part of the story is about him hanging out with the Mayan village for for years and being included in their decision making process. And and so the way their decision making process works is like one lady basically she said this guy he's picking avocados off of my avocado tree and the other guy says well her avocado tree leans over my property so it's my you know so it's is my avocados okay so just from saying that you could imagine the low drama that would come out of it well what happens is is it is it while he while these people are talking like the whole village is there and they, everybody just starts talking at the same time people are yelling at each other people are crying people are you know demanding things and it's total chaos it's just it looks like total chaos but if if you understand how complex consciousness is how sophisticated and elegant consciousness is when you bring these people together and you have this condition of this avocado tree and this property lines and and you know not enough avocados or etc who owns the like there's con you can unleash consciousness and that's what radical relating is about it's about unleashing the full force of nonlinear unreasonable complex consciousness in your life you're in your relating you unleash that thing and when when everything's on the the way that the mayan meetings end is everybody knows what to do and then it's to the next problem and it took this guy martin prechel it took him a year a couple of years of being in that process to, to try to get how did the conclusion come out of that mess how did the chaos result in a whole new order in the village the whole whole their like their codex got revised in that conversation and that the game world plays out differently now because consciousness was unleashed in a chaotic form and the intelligence of the consciousness created its outcome what was surprising and and it i i forget the detail exactly but it had to do with her uh or him having to rake the yard you know, clean up this lady's yard somehow, whatever. He would, she had a sore leg. And so he, he would have to rake up her whole yard from leaves and chicken shit and whatever. As part of the, everybody was, yeah, this is obviously rake the yard and it's handled. And everybody was happy. And then they went on to the next thing. And so it's like, what? <laughs> There's no logic, you know, but that's how, this is a kind of radical relating handling logistics producing more yellow stuff happening and the outcome and i i think it's a, giving us permission to allow this radical this consciousness come come awake and and um somebody was saying that i forget who said it but it's like more impulses were coming yes yeah, sonia sonia yeah mm -hmm. you're saying just these impulses start coming where are these impulses coming from? Well, they're kind of coming from your your openness to raw consciousness. The impulses are there the whole time, but our mind is this, you know, no, I've got an idea, I'm committed, I'm gonna do it like this, has to be like, it's this 
defensive strategy. Whereas if you, as you include the raw consciousness in the, is, as a asset, you know, as part of your life, as part of who you are as a resource, this thing comes in and it gives you outcomes that are unexpectedly fruitful for everybody concerned. And it's, it, it is a resource that you're intimately tapped into and ongoingly trained to block. And so it's this unblocking of that resource, you know, and then Sonia says, well, I'm going to, I'm going to be nomadic now. And like everybody in her world is going to shit in their pants because <laughs> Sonia, this upstanding proper woman is going to go nomadic. Well, what about the dog? I mean, what about your bills? What about, what about your mom? You know, like all these considerations that how are you going to pay taxes, whatever are, all these considerations are going to are are going to crumble around the movement, but just think what that would do for everybody's everybody else's world when when she follows this path, you know, she's following her path in advised, you know, supported by the resource of this of this uh, vast resource of consciousness, the intelligence of that, and it's like she's okay. She's going surfing. You know, Sonia's going surfing on consciousness. She's going to go surf on raw consciousness. And (laughs) what? You know, okay. We're designed for that. And so then somebody else is going to, well, if Sonia can do it, I can do it. You know, (laughs) something like that. The whole world is going to collapse when Sonia leaves. She's an upstanding, you know, she's just, she's in one of those columns in a, in a, in a, you know what I mean? Like a, she holds a bunch of stuff up and she just goes away. The whole thing, you know, well, it was probably fake. The reason she was holding it up was fake. It was holding it up as a duty or as a past life vow or as a, just a being adaptive to something, you know, my mother did it. So I have to do it. Something like that. So you pull out this thing, that whole place goes into liquid state. Yay. Life comes back. Yeah. And this is rad- it comes out of radical relating as you're negotiating logistics, your day-to-day decisions. And this, for me, being in this space is like the Avatar movie plugging into the leaves or whatever, all the many things they plug into. I'm not even thinking about things. Um, so I knew I didn't want to only hold a children's camp up in Kirikiri. So last week I'm sitting here, well, run the family camp. It's like, okay, got it, write it down. We've got a meeting Monday. So it's <laughs> that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Get the next bit from seemingly nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> There's about yeah seven seven more minutes. Anybody, anybody else? I want to speak to an impulse that I had earlier, and I feel a lot of fear about all these impulses because I also notice that I I can't act on them all, or I don't I don't act on them all. But when I heard you speak, Clinton, about the like that the movies end at happily ever after, the story ends there. I see this beautiful movie opportunity to create a movie that starts there. Like the movie is called something like 
<laughs> what really happens happily after ever. <laughs> Every <Yeah>. ever after. <laughs> so, um, so I'm, I'm stepping in and I'm asking, is anybody wanting to explore the topic with me? Like just to, to, to brainstorm five body storm. Sonia, thank you. And, Sonia and, and Clinton and Janet is, uh, yeah. Door. Oh, and door. Woody Allen made a movie like that once, and it, which started at where movies, you know, end like happily ever after. And the entire movie was just low drama. It was just one low drama after another, which you could expect from Woody Allen. But <laughs> it uh, it didn't include everything we've been talking about for the last two hours. Did not include all these clarity and possibilities and resources and human potentials and it, it, it didn't include any of that because it was it was trapped inside of standard human intelligence thought where it was trapped inside of western civilization so of course all you're going to get is low drama so this would be a different direction so thank you and and julia and the team i would really encourage to write to write it down, like even what you're saying in the meeting to have a scribe in there as a way to build a, um, a skeleton for, you know, whether it's a novel or a short story or a script for a movie or a TV series or whatever, however format. But um, I know many of conversation with Clinton about uh, the possibility of that, the, the story that happens after the um, ever, like happy ever after and to not write it down and then, um, and then the energy's gone, and we have there's nothing to work on. So I'm I really write it down, even if it's a few sentences, or beginning of chapters, or yeah, themes, or yeah, whatever. Yeah. Eva, cool. Eva, anything, anything from you? I am longing for more films where young, like children with or at the, at the edge to puberty, can watch them and can get nourished with other food than what is normally offered. And I want to ask if the if there's like in the list I haven't looked yet, but this in the list is it somehow. Can you see which of the films are like suitable for children? No, no it's not a film that's for children. Yeah, I think none of them would be. Yeah. It's really adult. Yeah, the only one maybe is for uh, even that one. It's like 16, 17, the Interstate 60 movie where he's deciding mm -hmm. what he wants to do with his life. Yeah. Okay. And it's, it's, you can find it free on YouTube. Actually, yeah. Train cool. Your Dragon is probably possible. It's mm -hmm. an animated, I don't know if that's on the list though. Your dragon. New Dragon. Train Your, train dragon. your dragon. Train Your Dragon. Okay. Or something okay. like that. Mm -hmm. What it's age group are you looking for, Eva? 10, 11. Mm. We watched Buckaroo Banzai together and it, we we found it both kind of weird. It's <laughs> <laughs> not a children's movie. Oh, it's definitely not. No, there was this guy. This guy 
he he uh, came into possibility management and he looked at the movie list and the first film he picked out to watch was Beetlejuice. So he watched Beetlejuice and he goes, I'm leaving possibility management. <laughs> 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 it's so weird. It's so weird. You guys are, forget it. I can't even understand what the, what's happening. Nicholas? Um, there is a an audio book called um, The Legend of Little Fur by an Australian author, Isabel Carmody. And um, she, the Little Fur is a half elf, half troll. And uh, she's in this uh, very contained little world. But then a crisis happens and she has to go outside of it and uh, protect the earth. And it's it's a very beautiful story. It's got the, uh, 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 an ecological kind of sub thing or pretty big theme, really. But it's um, it's also about sort of going outside of your comfort zone. And um, and and Isabel Carmody makes a beautiful job of narrating it too. It doesn't always work that way with authors, but uh, she does it very well. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Would you wrap it up? Thank you. Yeah. I have a proposal for a movie, even like it's it's this movie Home Alone with Kevin McAllister or so, or I don't know his name, and there are a lot of parts in it that are not maybe so helpful for Akiaki. But if you watch it with your son in the context of how this kid deals with his fear, I think that's probably a possibility for. For this part, for for him to that you can have a conversation about fear or something. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. Really, all these things we've been talking about, all this stuff, yellow stuff. I mean, everything that we've been talking about, values, you know, burning, you know, letting your life burn. Like all of this stuff is is involved with fear. It's really circling around fear. Baggage yeah. also. Your baggage. Baggage, yeah. right. Yeah, all this stuff is clinging on to stuff. Like, And so when Sonia Gonzalez, she talks about her her experience, it's a, a changed relationship to fear. So I hope maybe, Sonia, you write about that. Maybe you can write about how, it, how it's possible, like, for your... Uh, for your fear to have transformed enough for you to get the impulse and, and follow it. If you could write a little article about that, would you do that? Yes. Great. I, I, I have also an impulse to, to like a seed to plant. And it was about fear club that I thought, how wonderful would it be to make a, like a fear club kind of called next steps with your fear club. And and to use it, for example, to has, have the whole theme around baggage and to say, okay, so this fear club is about dropping baggage in every, like in every domain. And we're going to work with the fear that arises in there. And so whoever feels the call, go. You and see a job. Also... I'm in, Marcus. I'm in. <laughs> well, now you're in, Eva. You were in two weeks ago. I'm glad you're in. Oh. <laughs> I, I will slide in there that. The, the fear club that I'm holding space in a month, it's starting in a month, it will it, it will be about navigating these low level, more of a low level of fear, like ongoingly in your life to create this this 
able ability to choose. <laughs> yeah. So is that there's a film called Baghdad Cafe. Almost nobody has seen it. Has anybody seen Baghdad Cafe? Okay. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's just this fabulous film about this woman just facing her fear through total, you know, the end of everything. And it's just a victorious film. It's really wonderful. So, okay. See you next week. We're going to be busy this week. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, everybody. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye.